Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey guys, so I'll make this pitch extremely easy for you. We've got a free $20 to hand to you, which you can use on fantasy sports betting immediately. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20, and you'll get an instant $20 bonus tacked onto that. With the NBA reset season and playoffs underway, fantasy sports and daily betting for the resident NBA junkie has never been this intense and this fun. And when it comes to fantasy betting platforms, make sure to make the right choice and hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for players that makes games super simple and intuitive that even first-time beginners can pick it up instantly. Enter a contest where all you have to do is choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. You're merely dealing with over-under prop bets that each have a point total associated to them based on likelihood of occurring. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. So what are you waiting for? Win some money on the side while you watch the excitement of this year's NBA playoffs. Again, use promo code LEGACY when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. We build different, dog. We build different. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah! Let's go! everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where eight that something else against the best eight seed in the history of the NBA, first playoff win in eight years, told y'all, Lakers in four. AD, Anthony Dominavis, oh, we lit lit tonight. The Lakers, what a way to get back into the playoff win books after eight years against the best eight seed in the history of the NBA. The last Lakers playoff win was May 18th, 2012. Tommy, that was the Ramon Sessions Lakers against the Oklahoma hey. City Thunder in game three, where the Oklahoma City Thunder would go on to win 4-1. One down, 15 more to go for your 2019-20 Lakers. What a feeling. 
Um, I'm your host, John Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, I, I mean, I think the one phrase I want to use for tonight's game was just outclassed. The Lakers outclassed the Portland Trailblazers. Um, yeah, how are you feeling? This, I, I mean, this is the first Lakers win since 2012. It's pretty crazy, dude. I mean, it's like, uh, it hasn't fully hit me yet, I guess. Um, I'm just happy they beat the crap out of them. I mean, this is one of the more impressive wire-to-wire wins we've had all season. Like, you know, forget the playoffs. It, they yeah. clearly just decided internally it was time to uh, turn it up a notch. And to be clear, I mean, I think, obviously the entire fourth quarter was garbage time. So it's hard to extrapolate much from those stats. But I think going into the third, we were shooting... 34, 35% from three, which is like average. You know what I mean? It's not like amazing. It's just we weren't shooting 5% like we've been shooting, mm-hmm. you know? And it is so crazy how much of a difference that makes. But man, defensively, we just like embarrassed this team. It was so hard for them to get any kind of looks that they wanted. I mean, I was telling talking to you about this like right before we, we were recording, but... Portland has a bunch of guys. I mean, famous, you know, bubble superstar Gary Trent Jr., who hasn't been able to do that much against us. Um, He, if you look at, like, the analytics, he's really, really good as a spot-up shooter. But he's, like, well below average when he has to do anything else, like, off the dribble or, like, create a shot for himself. And, like, you know, they have multiple guys who fit that description. I think he's like that. I think Melo has been like that this year. Um, Damon CJ or Damon CJ, but you know, Wenyan Gabriel, Nurkic, there's, there's positions that you can put this team in and kind of like force them to make a bad choice and on offense. And that's kind of what our defense was able to do, um, tonight, really, really physical game, um, but really solid defense. I mean, I, I, I just, we were one of the best defensive teams all year, and this was one, a top highlight in terms of defensive efforts for, for this, uh, this team. Yeah, the Lakers won 111 to 88, and we were talking right before we hit record, and the stats on the, this game are ridiculous. You know, throughout this bubble season, the Lakers have been doing some pretty historic stuff, but on the wrong side of the ledger offensively. And tonight, I don't even know what, what history marks the Lakers are hitting based off of this performance. It might not even be any, but just looking at the stats, it feels historic because they held the Portland Trailblazers, the hottest team in the bubble, who was aver- they were averaging like 120 a game, right? They held the Portland Trailblazers to 20 points or less in three out of the fourth, three out of the four quarters, 19, 20, 19, and then that garbage fourth quarter, they scored 30. But, and you, you mentioned it before we hit record, but Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum pretty much played all of the all of the minutes during those first three quarters, and they still were able to do that. So it's just insane what our defense was able to do. And we'll get into like the nitty gritty of like what strategy we're employing. Um, yeah, I don't know. This was just such an impressive, impressive performance by the Lakers. You got to give props to everybody involved. Um, there were no signs of this <laughs> these last three weeks that we've been watching this team play. None at all. So it is very refreshing to just see them come out in this way where you almost forgot like who was leading them, the types of guys they have, because I, I mentioned it on Twitter, but this team felt very composed, disciplined, patient, 
I use the word outclass because they look like the more mature team, you know, like they did not falter. They did not press even after that 0-1 deficit. Um, obviously, them hitting shots helped out a lot, but it's like, I think this entire bubble stretch, we were questioning, like, does this team even remember who they are again? Like what their identity was? And I guess it took all of one loss to kind of snap them back into <laughs> to place. But that's that's exactly how it feels. And I... I I don't know. I, I'm very happy. I, I feel like we could still sweep this team, even though we have one loss. That's why I said <laughs> yeah. Lakers in four. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, what, what a great feeling. We lit. It's it's Liddy, fam. Um, yeah. In hindsight, uh, in hindsight, it seems like we may have overreacted to uh, the first game <laughs> loss. Yeah, I'm gonna throw that episode uh, down the trash and delete it forever. Um, I usually do this with you, um, but. What do you think I named this episode? Or I guess if you had to title this episode for tonight, what would you name it? Oh, I, I don't know, dude. I can't. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. You can't give me in the spot like this. <laughs> All right. So tonight I'm naming this episode Same Dame But Built Different. Oh. <laughs> Get it? Same, same, but different. So that is uh, that is tonight's episode name. Uh, before we move forward, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on iTunes. This is the first Lakers playoff win in eight years. So please, out of your litness, just use your thumb, your non-dislocated thumb, and uh, click that five-star rating on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app. That would be amazing. Um, also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Lakers Legacy. Uh, patreon.com slash the Lakers legacy podcast if you want to help us out in any small way financially and yeah also thrive fantasy app you'll get $20 if you use promo code legacy upon sign up and deposit at least $20 there are NBA games going on from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at night all day so use that free 20 bucks you're gonna get to see if you can win some money um, with that said let's talk about I mean Give me your thoughts generally on, on what the Lakers did differently. Um, I think for me, the the first few minutes were kind of shaky again. We're just like, oh, God, these guys are going to miss shots and et cetera, et cetera. But I think after the first two minutes or so, the Lakers uh, really just composed themselves. The energy was great throughout the night from pretty much everyone down the line. They played in control. Um, they almost they were almost boring in the way they were methodically like cutting up the Portland trailblazers and just slowly, but surely like suffocating them. Um, obviously defense is the tale of the night. They carried over the fundament foundational fundamental principles. They established the first game um, trapping and blitzing Damian Lillard and sometimes even playing zone on, on the blazers. Um, and they brought it over to this game, but then intensified it even more and coupled that with obviously making some three-point shots and making their putbacks, heading into transition a lot, a lot more, uh, making that an intentional effort. Um, but yeah, I felt like the Lakers executed their game plan to perfection without breaking a sweat, which is the most important, I mean, which is the most impressive part. I mean, Anthony Davis had 30, 11, and 3, and he was definitely, we definitely got the brow bounce back tonight. But LeBron James only had 10 points, uh, 
seven assists, six rebounds, and yet we dominated this team from start to finish the way that we did, and it's just incredible. Um, LeBron James had his finger on the pulse of this game the entire night, but you look at the stats and you wouldn't think that. But just a credit to Frank Vogel, the coaching staff. Um, I don't know who's running their defensive schemes. Frank Vogel is historically a defensive coach, so is Jason Kidd. We don't have Lionel Hollins, but I don't know, maybe... Maybe Avery Bradley, the Avery Bradley challenge, the ghost of Avery Bradley is still hovering among us. But uh, yeah, your general thoughts on tonight's game. I mean, we just played outstanding. It was a really a combination of all the good stuff we've been doing all year, like figuring out, just like exploiting everything they were giving. Um, and it, it just like all the criticism we threw at the coaches, which I felt like was warranted um, mm-hmm. in the last game and, and you know, in some of the games over the bubble, it sort of felt like we were back to doing what we were doing during the season. I feel like the reason we had su- such a successful season was because most nights, you know, subject to like the nights that we just completely didn't show up, it felt like we showed up with like a game plan. You know what I mean? There's like beyond having an identity there's some degree of, you know, it's like a defensive team or a fast break team or an offensive team or whatever. Like there's some degree of, there like are certain major, major flaws that can be exposed in teams that are not like the most elite for, you know, teams or whatever in the entire league. And I think Portland, if you watch them, like despite all the hype, despite all the noise that was happening in the bubble, if you watch them, these fools were averaging 126, you know, to 130 points or whatever in the eight seeding games, but they were doing that because they were giving up like 120 points. You know, I mean, they mm-hmm. they won six games, but they barely won several of them, including their last game of the season. That was like a game. It was like losing or out, and they barely won against the Nets. I mean, like a bad last second shot by the Nets cost them that game. So, <clears throat> excuse me, they just they weren't playing that well, but. And you can see how they could be exploited. Like, you kind of just need to focus on CJ and Dame because this team does not have a lot of depth. I mean, there was so much talk. Part of it is like, look, Zach Collins is out. But Zach Collins was just taking minutes from Whiteside, who isn't that good. I mean, but both are flawed players. Like, Zach Collins is not that great, um, as good defensively as Whiteside, maybe a little bit better offensively, but he's not like a 20 point a game guy. He's like, you know, a few baskets here and there. So, you know, kind of my point is they are, they play like eight deep with Collins. And so, you know, Collins hurt himself in the last game. So it's like, okay, we're going to play a team that's going to essentially play like seven deep outside of Damian and CJ. They don't have a lot of guys who can score like Gary Trent Jr. His specialty is making wide open threes. And like, you got to give him credit. He's really good at doing that, but he doesn't do a whole lot else. Mario Hazonia is a terrible player. I just like every time he's out, which is why they don't play or like they try to minimize how many minutes he's out there. But you know, Wendy and Gabriel, like these guys are all like, whatever, you know what I mean? Carmelo is like, Oh, bubble mellow, you know, Oh, he hit some game winning shot, you know, clutch shots point is you look up and down this roster it's really not that talented Nurkic is like your third best player yeah. and he played for the first time like two weeks ago <laughs> you know so it's it's like this team had a lot of areas that could be exploited and it just felt like we showed up game one to play like any other game like any yep. regular season game that like you kind of just got off a plane and show up and are trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? And it's like, you don't even know who team you're playing. And, but you know, game two, it just felt like everybody was so locked in and 
you know, on the same page defensively, um, offensively, beyond the shots going down a little bit more, because I actually feel like in the first quarter especially, it's not like we were raining a bunch of jump shots. No, yep. Um, we were just getting higher percentage shots, and we were dominating the paint like we've been. Like, JaVale did JaVale things like he used to do. He played 13 minutes and scored 10 points and had 8 rebounds. Like, that's yeah. crazy for a guy who's going to play 13 minutes. Like, Dwight obviously played a lot more tonight, but he was a huge problem, you know, in, in the paint on rebounds. Um, mm-hmm. Guys just came in, and KCP was hitting shots. I told you he's good, dude. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, everybody except for Danny Green, who still, like, you know, he played some good d- defense. He hit a he three. Four, he hit a three. He hit one three. He had one three. <laughs> but he had four, he had four steals in this game. He was a plus 21, mostly because he was playing with the starters. But, like, if his three-point shot can just regress or, like, have a positive regression just slightly – to, towards the mean, it's going to make our team so much more deadly. I mean, they were talking mid-game. I don't know if you were watching on ESPN or Spectrum, but Mark Jackson was talking about, or they were bringing up some interview with Kuzma where, you know, they're t- they always love to do this narrative of who's like the third guy, right? Yeah. And, you know, Kuzma apparently said in response, or somebody said in response to that question, like, well, every night it's different. Uh, it's different guys. Some nights it's Kuzma, some nights it's KCP, you know, Avery Bradley when he was playing, Danny Green, like Dwight Howard, we had a few where he was like our third best scorer, you know, it's like, you know, it it kind of rotates and that's what's kept the team so like fresh and and consistent. And Mark Jackson like said, no, I I disagree, you still have to be the third best player. And I just think it's like such a simple way of looking at things. The Lakers really are the best when... They play like how they did tonight, where you just get a bunch of like rent. You get all around team elite level defense, and then you get like random guys who are going to just get you 10 points. I mean, we had one, two, three, four, five guys scoring double digits, and another guy with nine points, you know. So it's it it's pretty insane, and, and I think that's uh, a key to our success moving forward. Yeah, and traditionally speaking, not even LeBron James was the third best player on, on the team tonight. <laughs> Although I will say, I think Mark Jackson, Jackson qualified his statement by saying he doesn't need to be scoring points. He just needs to be impactful. And I think tonight we got that third guy impact from a number of different players, whether you want to point to KCP, JaVale McGee. I can't believe I'm saying JaVale McGee, but JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard, right? Um, and I think... You know, the biggest thing with the Lakers tonight, like you said, they weren't they weren't knocking it down from three even after the first half, you know, but they I feel like the first game because they weren't ready. They didn't come out prepared like they haven't like they have been the entire um, bubble season tonight. I I feel like the first game when we got down early, you know, there's like a compounding effect to starting off slow. You know, we were down like 35-26 the first quarter of the last game, right? And I think after that, the Lakers started playing a lot more, even regardless of the fact that they made it a game and that they had the lead in the fourth quarter. Like, they played a lot more rattled the first game. They played a lot more finicky. Um, They didn't really have an established identity. They were just like, let's just kind of uh, grind our way somehow to a win without really having any sort of consistent game plan it seemed like even on their putbacks and the stats show this they were rushing a lot of shots uh in transition they were rushing a lot of shots and not you know confidently finishing for whatever reason but tonight it's kind of like i don't know maybe they did all have a meditation session and they're like let's just calm the f down you know like we're better than these this freaking team 
We don't have to like press. We don't have to rush. Let's just play our game, continue to implement this defense. We're going to win. And it happened sooner than probably any of them expected because this game was done after halftime. But I think that was the biggest thing. Like they came out, they had a clear head, they were calm, cool, collected, and they just executed to precision. And, you know, their defense on, on Dame and CJ and just continually blitzing them and sending two guys doubling at all times, like... I feel fatigued for Damian Lillard, you know? Like, yeah. he has to dribble so much. And if he does get a clean look, it's after 18 seconds of dribbling past, like, three different guys, you know? Um, so, I mean, just the way that they've set up this defense, they realize, like like you did, outside of Damian CJ, who else can really dribble the ball, you know? So if you pressure those two guys and continually send a second guy, and even it, once they pass those two guys, you see there's always, like, a third man kind of always reaching in as well just to harass right, right. them. It's like, crazy, dude. They, like, Dame is so tired. Um, I mean, even if we didn't do that, he, he's tired from just the stretch that he's been on, like, these last three weeks, right? And so it's just so smart by the coaching staff and by the Lakers to continue to pile that pressure on him, you know? He's not a big dude, right? And... um I don't know, man. It was just such an impressive performance. We held the Blazers to 40% shooting somehow by the end of the game. And, you know, a lot of this is compounded by the fact that we started hitting a bunch of threes in the fourth quarter and, like, J.R. Smith got into the act, Alex Caruso hit a three, etc. But just the fact that we shot 14 of 38, 36.8% from three, and then held the Blazers to 8 of 29 from three, 27%, is insane. Um, the fact that we only got to the line 10 times or only shot 10 free throws and were this dominant is insane. Um, we out-rebounded them, obviously, 50-41. to 41. That's probably a little bit evened out because of the fourth quarter with the scrubs. Um, we only turned the ball over 14 times, which is huge. Uh, lastly, we had 26 assists, but this time the assists were more spread out amongst the team because LeBron only had seven. Um, JaVale McGee actually tied, I think, three other guys for second best in assists with three, if you can believe it or not. So, I mean, just like you look at the stats up and down, and this is like one of those few times where like everything that you saw on the court perfectly translates over to like the box score and the stats. Yeah. And you're just like, it is very impressive, like top to bottom. And yeah, I'm like googly eyes right now, just looking at all this stuff and then remembering what I actually saw in game. So... Yeah, if this is what we're going to get, I, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, we look pretty good, dude. And, and what I'm... <laughs> I don't want to get too get excited. <laughs> no, no, we have I, two I entirely think... different episodes. I know. It's crazy we play these back-to-back. The last episode, we were like, get Casey Poop off the team. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... You know, it it's interesting because this is kind of... It, we I still feel also, by the way, that we're not playing as well offensively as yeah. we were at our peak. So there's like still room to grow. I'm just really, really satisfied that they got to this level of defensive intensity this quickly. Like this is championship level defense. You know, they I mean it's like not a cliche, like defense really does win championships. If you're playing like this kind of defense, 
you can have like a moderately good. I mean, look, the Lakers were the number one field goal field goal percentage team in the NBA. I think they were like what, what were they fifty percent on the season as a team, like something absurd like that. I mean, they were and, top five in both categories for like a pretty sizable stretch at one point. So right, right, but I just mean I'm like straight field goal. Percentage. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's like they didn't do anything field goal percentage wise tonight. It's not like they got lucky or hit a bunch of you know extra shots that they normally wouldn't make. They played like how they could play like fairly, I think, regularly. They just have mm-hmm. such a different level defensively. And when they get to that level defensively, even if they're like a below average offensive team, I just feel like it's too much to overcome, dude. I mean, in three quarters, you know, to give up 58 points, I mean, and by the way, CJ, Dame, Nurkic, and, you know, Mello played 90% of those minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, how is that even possible at, you know, the rate know. that they were all going at? You know, it's just so, they've schemed so well. Their intensity is so high. They've had multiple guys step up at multiple positions. I thought Danny, who still looks like Papa Slot out there, but he somehow <laughs> is able to, like, stay in front of CJ and, like, you know, contest his shots or strip the ball. Like, surprising, you know, amount of, deterrence for Damien like you're you're not going to fully ever shut those two guys down but Danny held his own KCP phenomenal JaVale McGee I thought a lot better than he was in the last game Dwight's always solid LeBron had a couple steals including in the fourth quarter I don't know if you remember this one towards the beginning of the fourth quarter where he just like slapped the ball like somebody was (laughs) driving and he was essentially like nope and just grabbed it from this dude and like started running that you know, AD obviously had a, a couple, or maybe he had that one nice block in the paint against Dame, and then he had, uh, you know, some other good plays. Caruso with a lot of hustle plays. I'm actually mm-hmm. surprised he only had one steal because I felt like it was more. Um, you know, so just all around phenomenal, phenomenal effort on the defensive end. And if they can keep that up, like, I don't know, dude. Like, no one is playing defense in the bubble right now, so... True. If you're playing defense, I think it's going to... I mean, it's like Toronto, right? Like, that's how they're destroying teams. Their defense is just really good. And, you know, so they get away with not really having a quote-unquote, like, true star. But, you know, the Lakers, it just so, so impressive. Um, and uh, let's hope they keep it up. Yeah. So we'll take it to our first break. And when we return, we'll talk a little bit more about what the Lakers did, if they did anything um, besides just hitting more shots offensively. And then we'll get to some of our awards of the night. So we'll catch you guys after the break. All right. So we're back and we're going to talk about what the Lakers did offensively that was different from game one. I will. I do want to say that it feels like were the Lakers just really, really good at playing possum this entire time? Like, they committed to the act so much that they're like, hey, game one, we're just going to lose, okay? And then, if they, what if they end up just winning? Let's just, let's just freaking do it. All right? It'll be so funny. Like, we'll get the world. We'll be laughing at the end of the day. Um, and they were laughing. Um, this was a very dominant performance. From start to finish, they put their foot on the Blazers' throats. You know, I was watching the Bucks game against the the Magic today just to see how they would respond, and obviously they had their 18-20 point lead, uh, but they eventually let the Magic back in in the fourth quarter to the point where it was like a nine-point game. And so it was nice to see the Lakers just totally not relent, but also just completely suffocate and strangle the Blazers to death. And like, I this is what... And it's been a long time since I've felt this way where I'm just like, 
I have no idea what the Blazers can do right now. They, it, it almost seems like a game that you'd, like a, what's it called? Like a, like a fourth game of a sweep where the, the team is entirely demoralized, you know? But this is just game two and the Blazers are up 0-1. So it's crazy that the Lakers can impose themselves like this on another team. I know this is like me cherry picking like video clips or whatever, but there was that moment, I don't know if you saw on the ESPN broadcast, and I know it was tied to Damian Lillard being frustrated with his dislocated finger, but he had this look on his face where he was crying. It looked like he was crying. And to me, it just kind of felt like, Does Dame think this series is over? I know it's not that, but like the way that this game played out, it kind of felt like you have to wonder if in Dame's head where it's like, God damn it, how do we, what do we do against this team? You know? So um, again, don't want to get ahead of myself, but let's talk offensively what the Lakers did tonight, because I did, I do think they did something schematically that helped them out. One, they made a more concerted effort to really get out into transition and this time just finish <laughs> finish well. Um, every time they got the rebound and they were forcing a lot of misses tonight, they just pushed the hell out of the ball. You even saw uh, Vogel make a more concerted effort to uh, activate Kuzma, right? And give him opportunities to bring the ball up and tell him, when you get the rebound, just go, go, go. And, you know, Kuzma didn't do much tonight, but he didn't need to. Um and then obviously with Anthony Davis's breakout night where he had 30 points on or 31 points on 13 of 21 shooting this is one of those rare Anthony Davis nights I feel like where his three point shots came after the fact you know usually his three point shot dictates how well he does offensively but no his three point shots came almost like in the second half this time because he was doing such a good job and Frank Vogel did such a good job activating him in different ways tonight and he really diversified the way he used Anthony Davis right because it wasn't pure post-ups it was Anthony Davis kind of driving the ball more on ball because I mean let's be clear Anthony Davis can go down into the post and put a hurt on people but that's not really the way he likes to play He likes to face up and then make a quick move, use his quick first step, and really get these other slow big men on their heels. And that's when he can use his agility and his crafty finishes and whatnot to to really score, and that's what he did tonight. But on top of it, I, I just feel like they really, you know, put Anthony Davis in different situations, actually ran some plays for him. A lot of, I think he had a really nice pick and pop out for the three that was more in rhythm. Um... He he got. They even ran that like lob lob play where Anthony Davis was the assist man. I think I forgot who he lobbed it to. Was it LeBron? Um, yeah. But regardless, I just feel like Frank Vogel did a much better job of varying it up a little bit more with Anthony Davis. And I know he had a couple times where he was still kind of, uh, you know settling for these fadeaway jump shots but more often than not I feel like Anthony Davis was quicker more decisive taking his man off the dribble if he did face up and not holding the ball for like eight seconds just to hoist up a jump shot so as evidenced by 13 of 21 from the field um so what were your thoughts offensively and uh, do you agree with what uh, I mentioned about just Anthony Davis's offensive performance tonight yeah I mean I agree with all of that about Anthony Davis for sure I think I mean, like you said, he's big, he's got a soft touch, he's got nice moves in the post. He he can be a low post, like, we're going to throw it into you and go one-on-one type player. That type of game is so hard in the modern NBA. Um, you know, with the 
with being able to double team before the catch, if you're, if you're, you know, which is something that last time the Lakers had a super dominant low post player wasn't a thing. Um, it, it just like it feels like they allow big guys so much more contact in the paint than you know guys on the perimeter. So it kind of puts you at a disadvantage offensively if you're really trying to force it into the paint. Anthony Davis, I think, like you said, is better when he's catching it on the move. He's catching it on the pick and roll. He is catching it and making a quick move to the rim. Like, he can hit you threes. He can hit you spot-up jumpers, long twos, post fades. Like, But he needs to get himself going first, and he gets himself going by, like, getting easy baskets. Um, And that's exactly what he did tonight. And I think it's one wrinkle that Vogel has implemented starting last game. I mean, it, it, like, didn't really pay off. Um, And maybe he did this a little bit earlier in the bubble, too, to get this rotation going. But... He used to take LeBron out at around, like, the five-minute mark or so. And then LeBron would just start the second quarter with Dwight. <clears throat> He's now done this thing where he still takes Le- he takes LeBron out with, like, the first subs. And then he brings him back in with, like, three minutes left to, like, get more time of LeBron and AD together. Because AD is really good, but when you pair him with LeBron, it, like, takes him to another level. I mean, here's a stat that I just saw came across on Twitter, but... In the 18 minutes that LeBron and AD shared on the floor in Game 2, the Lakers had an offensive rating of 145.9. That sounds good. And a defensive rating of 76.3. And in 18 minutes on the floor together, they were a plus 25. Jeez. How do you even do that in 18 minutes? You know, I mean, like, teams score 25 points in 18 minutes, you know, so... it's like pretty crazy um, how well they are together. And I like that we're not, I mean, like during the season, would you agree that it felt like most games other than the first six minutes and the last like six to eight minutes of the game, LeBron and AD were kind of just staggering with one another. Yeah. Like we would always have one of them, but they were like, we would just stagger so that one of them was always on the court, but they didn't actually play that much um, together or as much as you would think. Yeah, and so any way that you can find more minutes for those two together, I think, you know, I, I think it's just going to work out to your benefit. Obviously, yeah, I agree. Um, let's close this episode by just going down some of our, you know, nightly awards. Did you have a highlight of the night? I can go first. Um, I had a couple here, but I think I'm going to go with uh, this play in the third quarter. It was defense to offense. There was about nine minutes left. Lakers were up by twenty. Wenyan Gabriel wildly wildly drove into the lane on JaVale McGee. JaVale showed perfect verticality, put his hands up in the air. Wenyan missed the layup, and then AD just demonstrably snatched the rebound out of the air and immediately throws a full-court hit-ahead pass to KCP for the jam. And then the Blazers called timeout, and LeBron just started yelling at all the virtual screens after that. And um, I, I just think it was a perfect encapsulation of the night where our defense was fueling our offense and we were finishing on the other end and capitalized by the fact that JaVale McGee made the perfect defensive play. Anthony Davis had the brow bounce back game, got the rebound, got the assist to KCP, who went from 0 for 9, 0 for 5 in a 1-1-1 performance to... What did he have tonight? Five of eight from the field, four of six from three, 16 points. I mean, he finished off that dunk. Uh, So for me, that was my highlight of the night amongst many things. Um, Did you have a highlight of the night that you want to pick out? 
Hmm. I think the only one, I mean, that was probably one of mine just because it was like a really good example of how our defense created like really good opportunities on offense for us tonight. But I think there was one of the plays where LeBron was backing down Gary Trent Jr., which oh, I can't yeah, yeah, believe yeah. Portland was actually utilizing that as a strategy, right? It's because it's like they know they have no interior defense, and if you put Carmelo on LeBron, LeBron's just going to go right to the rim. And if you put a guard on him, he's just going to back him down. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, But there was one where he backed him down, backed him down, and then Nurk- he spun, and Nurkic was there to help, and he like wrapped it around Nurkic's body and mm. got like a really strong bounce pass to AD who caught it. And AD's been doing this in the playoffs more and he's he did it certainly towards the end of the season. He kind of has the ability sometimes to like quick jump guys. Like he has really good hands. So like LeBron will hit him with this really good pass. He like grabs it and he doesn't need to gather. It's like in one oh, motion yeah. he's grabbing like a bounce pass and then jumping up and quick dunking it before like the defense can get there. That's such a valuable skill to have on a team when you're playing with a guy like LeBron who's going to hit you with these really, really tight passes. And and if you can make a play out of it, it's going to be an easy one. But if you can't, you're just like, you know, kind of screwed. But, but, you know, it works out really well with AD. And and so that that play kind of highlighted that for me. It's kind of like a, a glitch, right? Where the, your stream skips ahead and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Anthony Davis just dunked it. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, that was an awesome highlight of the night. I think one thing, too, you brought it up just because you mentioned LeBron in the post. I felt like in the first game, there were a couple of times where we had either LeBron in the post or Anthony Davis in the post, but it was almost like they were aimlessly in the post and they got rattled whenever there was a double team. But tonight, it seemed like the whole the whole night, even if we were like trying to, even if we were holding the ball for a long time, we just felt a lot more intentional about everything we were doing. And LeBron just seemed so in control the entire night, even in the post, even when he was backing it down to face three other Blazers defenders. It's almost like I know exactly where this ball is going to go next, you know, for the most part. And so I think that was something that was more that impressed me the most. Even even Anthony Davis, right? Even if he's not like technically the post player we want him to be. And even if he held the ball longer tonight, it still felt like there was an, a purpose to it. So um, MVP of the night is obviously going to go to Anthony Davis, the brow. He had that bounce back that we expected. Uh, 21 points in the first half. I think he was 9 of 13 from the field then, had seven rebounds, um, was passing the ball really nice all night. Uh, the lob to the lob alley-oop to LeBron James, that hit-ahead pass to KCP in transition. Is there anything else you want to say about Anthony Davis before we move on? No, just like he completely controlled this game. I like to see him be physical on the rebounds. Um, he's so athletic and his arms are so long. Like He should most nights be the number one rebounder on both sides, and uh, he's going to have to get there. I mean, it's not just we're going to rely so much on him on both sides of the floor. Like, he really does have to be, like, the best offensive and the best defensive player on the floor for us if we're going to have a chance to to make it deep this year. Yeah. You know, one thing I noticed about Anthony Davis when he kind of gets it going from the outside and from the perimeter, it's like his three-point shot barely moves the net, you know? It's like when he's on, it's like he's really on, and for... A 6'11 guy, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I just like it when he doesn't solely rely on that to activate him on the offensive end. And he still plays like he's a big-ass giant behemoth who can outplay any other big man on the court. Uh, So MVP to Anthony Davis. Um, Third guy of the night. Uh, There's a couple of ways we could go with this, um, but who's your third guy of the night? 
Third guy of the night, I have to go with KCP. Um, KCP, yeah, you know me. Told you he's good, dude. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. He, you know, got... He got it off strong. I mean, he hit his first shot, which is a really good sign. Um, he was incredibly, incredibly active defensively. I mean, he was picking up Dame and CJ full court. He might not have the quite the lateral mobility that Avery has. He's also a lot taller than Avery, though, so he can really bother some of these guards. If he can, like, remotely stay in front of them, he's really solid at, like, getting a hand up and and bothering him. And, and, and he has, like... I don't know. He's 6'5". I feel like when you look at him out there on the court, he looks like he's like 6'3 or something. I think it's the way he moves Mm -hmm. around defensively. So, you know, the defense combined with hitting four threes, he's not going to go four from six every night. But I don't know. He had like a long stretch where, you know, the season where he shot over 40%. He's been crazy and consistent. So hopefully this is the good sign because if he hits a hot streak right now, this is like the right time to do it. You know, you get hot for like a month and it's going to take us a long way. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say KCP as well, although it's close between him and JaVale. And look, I know JaVale only played 12 minutes, but he played so smart in those 12 minutes. Like he he looked like a legitimate starting NBA center for those 12 minutes, you know, like (laughs) he wasn't doing anything dumb. He was five of six from the field eight rebounds, three assists. When's the last time you had a three assist yeah. Vail McGee game with zero turnovers, dude? That is like a unicorn moment, I feel He's like. He's basically like uh, Jokic. <laughs> JaVale Jokic tonight. Uh, so actually, I'm going to change my answer. I'll give the third guy to JaVale McGee. He also had that really nice play that got Danny Green his first three-pointer of the night where I think it was a scramble play and he like slickly passed it to Danny Green who was curling off to the baseline and got the assist. Um, His first basket of the night I think was this like really crazy almost Michael Jordan-esque like one-handed scoop-de-doo layup where he had it above uh, his head first and then he curled it below his head and then up to the rim. Obviously, JaVale McGee can do that because I believe he has like a seven foot five wingspan. Um, but from there, the rest of the night, he maintained just being smart, using verticality even, not shacked in a fool. Um, so really impressive performance by JaVale McGee, a guy who all of us were clamoring, you know, for, for Vogel to take him out of the starting lineup, you know? And at least for one night, it's like, all right, I mean, if you're going to give us six minutes like that to start the first quarter and then six minutes to start the third, that's amazing. You know, that's amazing production um, from JaVale McGee. So kudos to him. Pierre, Pierre McGee. Um, who is your sixth man of the game coming off the bench tonight? Sixth man? Uh, it's hard to... I would probably say... I'd probably say Dwight. Mm -hmm. I think Dwight has been so solid for us. Um, These Portland guys are being so physical. Man, this guy is not afraid, though, to, like, muck it up down there. And that's, like, a really good thing for a team like us because we don't want LeBron and AD to be the ones, like, mucking it up like that. You know what I mean? Like, we need to save their bodies so that they can do everything else they need to do for us. And... To have a guy like Dwight who you could just throw in there and be like, yeah, whatever, like Montrez is not going to, you know, it's you can try to run him over, but it's going to be tough. You know what I mean? And and so, like, I, I think having that off the bench is, is so good. He had a block tonight, but even when he doesn't get, like, the defensive stats, he's just so solid in his positioning. Um, so I, 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 I'd probably give it to Dwight. 
No, yeah, I give it to Dwight too. Um, he had nine points, five rebounds, one block, but he was fighting all night. He's always active, even if he's not getting the rebound or the block. Like, you have to try and box him out, especially on the offensive end, because it always feels like he's tipping balls left and right. And, you know, I feel his frustration. You can tell how annoyed he's getting because there's always like two or three bodies on him. And usually he's on the wrong end of getting a foul call because he's the one retaliating. You know what I mean? And that's what the refs see. But credit to Dwight for kind of, at least tonight, usually old Dwight, when he'd get rattled like that, he'd do stupid stuff on the offensive end, you know? But tonight, he'd just get the offensive rebound, and instead of immediately putting it back up for, like, a rush shot, he'd, like, pitch it back out to uh, to reset the offense, you know? That was one thing that I noticed. And I was like, dude, kudos to Dwight, man. I mean, he... We, we see it from him. This is what we wanted from him, you know, like, what, eight years ago? Seven years ago? Like, he's doing all right. the little things, and it doesn't matter whether or not he's getting the points. I thought it was really cool that it seemed like everybody else on the team noticed his effort and they were trying to get him involved. You know, J.R. Smith kept trying to give him dump off passes. Quinn Cook tried to get him a lob pass. And I don't know, maybe indicative of the team, just that they're aware that like, dude, this guy's working his ass off. He's hustling. He's providing that activity and energy. Let's let's get him some looks at the basket, you know? So kudos to Dwight Howard and just that energy he's bringing on both ends. And I'm sure he's putting a hurt on guys, even if it's, uh, you know, coming at some, some ill-advised foul calls or whatever. So yeah, very great defensive effort by Dwight Howard tonight. Um, I think that'll do it for episode, man. That was like a dominant performance by the Lakers. And it, it's been few and uh, far between these last few months, especially with quarantine. We haven't seen a Lakers win like that, this, uh, much less in the playoffs. So uh, was there any like small additional things you want to bring up before we close tonight out? Um, no, nothing for me. I, I hope they can keep up this intensity. Uh, they won a game, like completely dominated the opponent, only shot 10 free throws in the game, scored 111 points, just all around phenomenal effort. And I hope they can keep it up. Yeah. I think with the one thing, the one last thing I want to talk about is, um, J.R. Smith. What, what did you think about J.R. Smith? Um, I know, you know, we might look at this as an entirely a garbage game for him. So maybe you don't put any weight on anything he did tonight, but he did hit three of nine from three. And even before the game got out of hand, you know, he was the first sub for Frank Vogel over Dion Waiters. And I liked his energy tonight. I mean, defensively, he's been all over the place in the bubble, but I don't know if he's, this is his first like actual meaningful minutes. And I don't know, it may pay off down the line, like getting him this run, having him see the ball go into the basket. You saw how hyped and amped LeBron James was for J.R. Smith to see that first baseline three go in. And um, he, ev okay, even outside of the three-point shots and all that, like his first play was actually a him attacking the closeout and then getting Dwight like a dunk. Like he had a, dunk, a really nice wraparound dunk-off pass or dump-off pass to Dwight Howard for a dunk. And... For me, I, I highlight that moment because on this team, LeBron James is seemingly the only one who can get a bucket for anybody else. And on that play, it was like, oh, somebody else did it off of their own dribble. He Like, J.R. Smith created that all on his own. And uh, I think that's why that play was highlighted to me. And I don't know, if this can get J.R. Smith's confidence up and, like, Frank Vogel can more reliably use him for even just three minute spurts here and there. I think that'll go a long way because God knows we could use shooting. So any thoughts on, on J.R. Smith tonight? 
Yeah, no, he had a nice play in the first quarter where he had a drive and handoff to Dwight that, um, or sorry, not the first quarter, but I thought it was in the first half, maybe it was in the third quarter, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I think it's worth getting him going. I, I don't think, to me, it doesn't matter who plays between him and Waiters. I think both are equally important in their own ways to our success, and I think both will get a chance to show what they can do in different lineups. Um because LeBron is going to be playing so much more, I mean, obviously tonight he only had to play 27, which is great. Um, but because he's going to be playing so much more, it's going to be harder to find minutes for Waiters because you figure Waiters is going to be maximally effective when LeBron's not on the floor. He takes a lot of pressure off of Caruso and gives us just like a perimeter scoring option. So, you know, Waiters needs to figure out how to be effective in like an eight minute burst because like, that's my, what he might get like, or, you know, come in for like two, four minute stretches in the course of a game. And he might have to figure out how to become effective in those situations. I just feel like Jr. if he can hit corner threes, which, you know, he started hitting him tonight, which was good. I was glad he was getting the shots up. Like he can be so dangerous for us. Um, he can compete defensively. He's got good height. He's got good length. Um, you know, I, I thought, like like you said, it was mostly, I think, half of his minutes were garbage time minutes, but he did play, you know, some meaningful minutes, and I thought he did a great job. Yeah, and he's still a pretty good ball handler and is not afraid to drive it into the lane, and one thing that I noticed about him outside of his three-point shot is he has a really nice floater, you know, and he can toss that up and it'll go in sometimes, so... Um, yeah, that'll do it for tonight. Markeith Morris, shout out to Markeith Morris. I thought in his 18 minutes, he played very solidly on both ends of the court. He didn't hit a three, but that's totally fine. Had six rebounds, two assists. And this is a night where the Lakers can still definitely improve offensively, but it seemed like we were firing on all cylinders and all because our defense was firing on all cylinders. So with that said, thank you guys for listening. The Lakers are tied one and one in the series against the Portland Trailblazers, and they have their first win in eight years. Lakers were built different, baby. All right. So with that said, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on iTunes. And hopefully um, we can continue to ride this wave of momentum. So, Tommy, I will catch you Laker. Catch you Laker. I'll catch you Laker, homie. (laughs) Cool. Thanks, man. It's lit. Lakers one and one. Lakers in four. All right. See ya. Later. Peace. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. 
Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.